You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans welcome to the peristyle podcast on a wednesday if you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms we welcome you there and if you're watching us our simulcast on youtube we also welcome you there any comments suggestions feedback we love all that like the program follow us give us a five-star rating all that stuff it really helps to grow the show it's been fun to do on both platforms on the podcast and also uh, on youtube appreciate that today uh, i am ryan abraham your host and we're joined by He's over there. Chris Trevino. Uh, Chris, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. It's been one of those mornings. I accidentally put my phone in a cup of pink lemonade. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to get past that, move forward, you know, have a short memory and just kind of power through the rest of this day. So like a cornerback, you get you give up. a yeah, touchdown. Yeah, I, I gave up. A, I gave up a 40 yarder. I got to just reset and get back in there. But it was in the morning, so it was a first quarter touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So I got to just end end the game with a pick. You know, I have to, yes. I have to battle back. So, yeah, Not, rough start, rough start. <laughs> uh, similar to USC started at, at the Coliseum scrimmage, apparently, because for what Lincoln Riley said. We're going to get into all of that and everything that Lincoln Riley said and the players and coaches said afterwards. It was a little bit different format for practice, so we'll kind of go through everything that happened out there on Tuesday uh, 10 practices down, five to go, including the Coliseum scrimmage, the spring game. We're not sure what format's going to be and all that kind of stuff, but on April 23rd at noon live on ESPN, Lincoln Riley would love to see a lot of Trojan fans out there, even though I don't think, Chris, I st- still think people don't know how to get their tickets, right? Yeah, we're seeing more ticket questions come up, like mm. how do we get tickets? It has to be soon, right? It has to be like this weekend or something. It has to be like Friday. They're going to drop it or something. It just it just has to be out there soon. I would think so. Someone commented, I think, on the Peristyle, on, on the thread that I posted, I think for instant analysis uh, thread, they said, well, Lincoln Riley wants the Coliseum pack for the scrimmage, but we don't even know how to get in there yet. So I'm like, that's a fair point. Like, if you want to, if you want a lot of people there, maybe give them a little heads up of how they can get in. Maybe so. it's a marketing ploy. Ah. Wait till the last minute. Everyone's like, we need tickets. I'm, I'm worried about tickets because I want to go. So maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's like a psychological marketing ploy. I it don't can, know. It can drive up the secondary market and all of that. But I hope it's soon. I uh, hope it's soon. It should be soon because obviously we're, we're like less than two weeks away. Yeah. We are less than two weeks away. Uh, five practices left. Like I said, one more Coliseum um, scrimmage practice on Tuesday. And we'll get into what happened this past Tuesday. And then, of course, Saturday the 23rd will be the spring game. If you have questions or comments for the show, we appreciate all the emails we've been getting. Podcast at uscfootball.com is where you can email us. And you can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. Leave us a text or a voicemail. We appreciate that. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you subscribe, follow us there. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and kind of review. We love that. That's always very helpful for the show. 
And of course, if you're on Spotify or any other podcasting apps, if you can leave a five-star rating there, that's great. On YouTube, hit that subscribe and like button. Uh, we've been putting up a ton of videos on YouTube. Everyone we talk to after practice, those videos going up. We're doing instant analysis. We're doing usually multiple uh, highlight videos of what we can watch from practice, uh, per practice. Um, our, our tunnel vision show on Sunday night, the simulcast here. So uh, a lot of YouTube videos going up, Chris. Seems to be, seems to be getting a lot of uh, momentum there on the YouTube channel. Yeah, we mentioned this last week, but subscriber count's going through the roof. But it's popping over there. So if you want to see, you know, players talk after practice, coaches talk after practice, you know, get a little feel for what practice is like with those highlight videos that you mentioned, just just go on by, subscribe, Inside Troy, find us, like us, subscribe to us. Yeah, we appreciate all that. And we want to also thank thank you for doing that. Uh, When you do that, thank you for checking out Trader Joe's. They've been great to us over the years, sponsoring the Peristyle podcast. Uh, I've made... uh, Made my trip earlier this week. I uh, picked up one of my favorites, the rosemary steak tips, which are great. I just uh, sometimes I grill them. Uh, I did these one in a pan. They're already marinated. They they have great flavor uh, right out of the box. And I they have lots of different bag salads. I try to buy different ones. I'm trying to eat a little healthier, Chris. So I know I like to talk about the sweets and stuff, but I did like I'm trying to do like veggies, some meat. Uh, I picked up some some good looking red potatoes there. I'm gonna make some uh, roasted potatoes from that, but um. Trying to eat a little healthier. Uh, it's not not always great. Uh, plus, they have a great alcohol um, selection there. But some of the cheeses, I'll go in there and pick some of those. Uh, like the salamis, I'll like do some, uh, you know, cheese and, and little uh, dried meats and stuff, uh, cured meats. So I love all that kind of stuff. But the rosemary steak tips are one of my go tos. It's all about balance, Ryan. You know, we <laughs> talk a lot about sweets on this show. I know you have a sweet tooth, but yeah, it's mm. all about the balance. Eat healthier. My girlfriend's actually picking me stuff up from Trader Joe's right now. Wow. Right okay. now. I was I just haven't been able to go. I need my orange chicken. I'm sure she's gonna get some new stuff too, but I, I just need my bags of orange chicken. So yeah, it's a it's a Trader Joe's day. That's a staple, staple for you, the orange chicken. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially with Easter coming up. I'll probably eat a lot of candy over the weekend. So I'm trying to do it during the week. We'll see. But thanks again. Uh, to Trader Joe's. Okay, well, let's get into some of the... Uh, t- we got some questions to get to a little later on. I think Chris has a special segment he was telling me about. No, or is <laughs> That's that- maybe for next week. Oh, right? okay. Don't, don't burn it so early. Sorry. Okay, so prepare next week for a special segment. Because spring game is next week. Ah. So, yes. No, but I, wasn't there... Not that special one. There was like another one. Was there like a... Were you going to do like a... Um, Take it or leave it or something. Was there something? Yeah, that was going to the spring game. I want to. Oh, I want to spring game. Po- I want to bring back take it or leave it for next week for you. Okay, our first official one on this podcast. Will it have a fake corporate sponsor? Probably not, because this is actually a real sponsored uh, <laughs> show. So, but if someone wants to actually sponsor the fake corporate sponsorship, absolutely. Yeah, but I just wanted to do like a little take it or leave it for you next week going to the spring game. Just a bunch of things that could happen in the spring game. And I just want your take it or leave it. Okay. I was thinking about the other special segment. Yeah, we're, 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 not, we're, not, we're not. We're not. We're not revealing that quite. Okay. Yet. So no. No. Okay. So but stay tuned. We got some really cool stuff coming up on hopefully all of our shows. Hopefully. Yeah. You do have. Are you? Do you have a uh, a two star composite podcast coming up? Yeah, we do. Uh, wow. I'm filming it right after this. Nice. <laughs> I'm gonna be here. You're going to leave. I'm going to call up Gerard, and we're going to talk recruiting. So Nice. That will be out this week. It's I been know. a very popular addition to the Peristyle Podcast family. So like, if you don't know, we so the Peristyle Podcast, we have a bunch of different podcasts uh, that we put up there. You know, I do one with Harvey Hyde. Chris and I do one. 
Uh, Chris started one with Gerard, the two-star composite, which is all recruiting, and that's been very popular. Uh, Shotgun's got some interview shows he does uh, with the Herded on the Sideline. So a lot of different podcasts you can uh, listen to just all in the same feed uh, on the Peristyle Podcast. So we appreciate all that. All right, well, let's jump into what we have, which was the Coliseum uh, practice slash scrimmage. Uh, this was the first time on the Lincoln Riley era that we were able to go over and the players and the coaches, uh, all of everyone except Dante Williams on the coaching staff. And then the 15 new players that have joined the team haven't been able to go over and practice in the Coliseum before, you know, they might've gone through for a recruiting trip, but this was the first time they got a feel for playing in the stadium where you're going to be playing your games in the fall. Um, it was, a little uh, similar in the fact that we got to watch like the first 20 minutes or so. They kind of limited the what we could film. Uh, so there wasn't that much, but we put up a defensive uh, highlights. I put that up. Nicole shot some offensive highlights. And we're going to put that up a little bit later on. So you should see all of that up on uscfootball.com. And we got to watch some of the stretching stuff. And then we were sequestered, kind of like a jury, put into uh, in the scholarship tower, which was nice, not right near the presidential suite. Um, we were in a, a conference room where you could not see the field. So we were not able to watch practice. A lot of media that were there actually. Could and, hear slightly. Yeah. We could hear some of the, the popping. A lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, which I, you know, just faint in the distance. And I hope that was from the field. I hope that wasn't from some <laughs> I think you put special that special room or something. In your ghost notes. Yeah. The, uh, we were, were a little worried to go in these service elevators and, you know, pure Chris fashion. We were like all of us kind of crammed into this conference room that couches around the side and a big table in the middle and then chris is like sitting by himself in the corner out in the hallway somewhere so that was you know I wasn't in the hallway i was in the room i was in the <laughs> corner you made it like you made it seem like i was out in the corner they wouldn't i was out in the hallway they wouldn't allow anyone in the hallway unless you were going to the bathroom or something it felt like detention it did i'm, feel I'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you it felt like detention just all of us sitting in silence quietly yeah. doing work yeah no no real talking only a couple whispers um, but it didn't have the, 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 the detention aspect of being in there with your friends and maybe goofing off a little bit, right? Just all straight, straight business. I was just like working the whole time. Uh, even though the, the table, the, the plugs for the table didn't work. So you couldn't plug in your laptop there, but for some reason, if you plugged it into a couch, which that seems way more likely to happen, those outlets worked. But anyway, we got through that. Our work Wait, done. Ryan, just quick segment. Yeah. Did you ever get detention? Oh yeah. Okay. Why? <laughs> I just, I mean. I was either you're going to be never got detention or you were always in detention. Not always, but I definitely, uh, I was pretty good about getting away with stuff. Um, it's funny. My little sister would never get away with anything. And she would always yell at my parents like, well, he was just smarter about it. Like, yeah, I was usually pretty good. But yes, I've had a bunch of tension. Did you have detention? Only for being late because my brother would make me late because he wouldn't get up, drive us to school. <laughs> I miss homeroom, miss first period by like 10 minutes. You accumulate enough, you get to go to detention. So it wasn't like purposeful or anything it was just kind of like being late yeah but it wasn't my fault okay that's my well that's point. fair i think mine were my fault but whatever. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. there wasn't detention but it was uh we were in a sequestered room kind of like a jury and then uh afterwards we got to go back down to the field and interview players and coaches but that was really sort of quick we got lincoln riley for only about four and a half minutes they had to catch the bus yeah everyone was like getting before we even interviewed anyone the coaches were yelling get on the bus get on the bus we're like wait hold on are we going to talk to anybody so i don't think we got everyone that we had requested, but it was just kind of worked a little bit uh, differently. But, you know, it was uh, still a good opportunity to kind of talk to some people. Um, maybe overall thoughts about uh, the Coliseum scrimmage. I know we got to see some different 
stretching, I guess, uh, the, some of the portions, even though we couldn't film. Uh, any thoughts on that, Chris? I mean, just seemed like there was, you know, a lot of good energy out there. Some of the coaches talked about that, too, as, you know, I talked to Dennis, Dennis Simmons, the passing game coordinator slash outside receiver coach slash elite recruiter. He kind of talked about how it was great for the kids just to be out there, feel a different sort of energy being in this Coliseum. You know, we've heard that before from other coaching staffs. You know, there's a different energy when you get into this Coliseum. But for a lot of them, especially as you mentioned, all the coaches outside of Dante Williams, this was their first kind of experience in the Coliseum. So I feel like they really embraced that, you know, trying to get them ready for some game day stuff, stuff they're going to be implementing, you know, warm ups and stuff, how they how they how they uh, attention to detail and getting ready for a game kind of doing some of that stuff and, and getting ready for that sort of walkthrough of a spring game uh, in a couple weeks. So, you know, it was good to get all that. The thing that did jump out to me was, you know, Lincoln Riley kind of coming out and saying it felt a little different uh, today in the Coliseum just with the usually it's been a back and forth between the offense and defense. But on Tuesday, it was the offense kind of getting the upper hand early and the defense kind of rallying uh late and sort of finding more consistency and kind of closing out really strong and ultimately winning the day as as Lincoln said which you know if you're a USC fan I think you you like to hear that Ryan because the defense obviously was a huge weak point last season I mean there was tons of weak points in 2021 but the defense as a whole was you know it was up there and you know to hear that kind of this defense is kind of Set the set the tone a little bit in that second half of that scrimmage and kind of dominated. Um, that's a good sign because I don't think a lot of people are going to be worried about the offense under Lincoln Riley. It's going to be like it's going to be there. It's going to come get these guys on the same page. But the defense is the big worry point. So I think you know that maybe uh, made a lot of Uf- USC fans happy hearing that you know the defense kind of stepped up in the Coliseum and kind of shut it down at the end of that scrimmage period. Yeah, I wish we could watch, but uh, we, you know, we'll be able to watch this team in a week and a half or so for the spring game. But yeah, I think it's a positive sign. If you're going to, you know, when people are going to be previewing USC, I think they're going to give the offense the benefit of the doubt because you have Lincoln Riley, you bring in Caleb Williams, you bring in Mario Williams, and all those guys. Uh, but there's, you know, there's been questions about Alex Grinch, you know, where he's been. Um, I think he's, it seems like the coaches and players are pretty confident in his system, but that's where a lot of the criticism is going to be be criticism about both lines, the offensive line, and the defensive line. But like I said, I think people will kind of give the offense a pass because of the Lincoln Riley factor and Caleb Williams. If he can turn this defense around and it was last in the pac 12 in scoring defense, I believe it was one of those. I think it was things. 11, 11. Okay. It was, it was, it was putrid. It was, it was awful. It was terrible. Uh, they're going to need some better play from linebackers, the defensive line, the whole secondary is gone. Uh, so there's, yeah. So I think if you feel like the defense has come and, and finding its, you know, finding its footing uh, and is able to compete with the offense, that's probably a good sign uh, for USC. And it's, uh, you know, 10 practices down. There's uh, five to go to, you know, to get through 15. There'll be, you know, four more before uh, the scrimmage. And I thought what Lincoln Riley said about, you know, finishing strong is that he seemed to like the progress his team made. You know, it's not perfect, but they had, you know, it's like you have a bunch of goals and they like hit these goals, boom, 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 move it along. And he just doesn't want to see this team coast through the last few practices because you've done really well. You're putting good stuff on film. They're getting a better feel for the personnel and all that. But he said, coasting's for losers. You know, average teams do that, something like that. So paraphrasing there, but that's, 
I like that. So it's just like, you're not going to sit on your laurels. You got through 10, you got five more, finish strong, have a great spring game, and then just move on to the summer. Yeah, Shotgun had actually asked him about that last Thursday and sort of what he wanted to accomplish in that final two weeks. And he kind of said something similar. But on Tuesday, he kind of just kind of emphasized it even more and saying, you know, coasting is for losers, average programs coast. And he said, if if we are what we talk, if we are, hold on, if we are what we say we are, these next five practices will be our best practices. So, you know, that's something, a storyline we're going to be asking about, you know, how is practice? Did you feel like it was different from the, you know, the first two weeks or the first, you know, yeah, stretch of spring camp? So that's what we want to see. That's what they want to see. A, a team going into the finish strong. And I'm going to be honest, Ryan. I thought he said coasters are for losers at first. <laughs> so I was like, wow. Coast- this no. guy, not about the coasters. But then I realized, oh, coasting is for losers, mm. not coasters. Look, you're going to need coasters in that $17 million house. You know, there's yeah, a lot of tables. So. You don't want those rings on anything. So big coaster guy, not a big coasting guy Yeah, is, is what we learned. So, yeah, I mean, good, strong words from Lincoln there. You know, kind of it's a message to the team. You know, he's putting it out there. Coasting is for losers. We're not going to coast. We don't want to be an average program. We want to be USC. Yeah. Um, I think he could probably just buy some new tables if you get some rings on there. If, you <laughs> sure. if you're really anti-coaster. I don't know if there's a big anti-coaster movement out there, but certainly anti-coasting. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's, there could some, be something. there's something weird on Facebook. Yeah. Find it. Uh, we also got some updates. You, you posted some updates. Uh, so different, sort of different view of practice. And when I would film, I filmed the defensive players. You kind of got a bird's eye. Now, you're far away, um, so you kind of zoom in, and you're maybe not as tight shots as you would get when you're on the sidelines, but uh, you kind of get a different feel for some of the drills. A lot of the drills I filmed were like ball drills where you saw the safeties intercepting balls or the linebackers, things like that. So there was some cool stuff you could kind of watch, but you also were able to get a different perspective because uh, we're always watching gold-plated stuff. Who has got gold-plated? And So you talk to players afterwards. Usually we we learn about a couple in the interview process after practice, um, there's no, you know, I guess we could make some kind of running list, but you kind of get some more names. But you there were is to, one on the P. Yeah, there, yeah we got one, one on the Peristyle. Uh, if you're not a member, go to the, you know, go to uscfootball.com. Peristyle is where all the USC fans hang out. It's the busiest message board, the oldest one. It's been covering USC since 1996, so it's been up there a long time. A lot of USC fans, boosters, insiders that are posting on there, and they do have a running uh, tally of who's been gold gold plated. But I know you spotted some guys too. So if you want to give like kind of an update of guys, if you don't, we've already gone over this bunch of times, but you're given the Cardinal helmet that's plain to start practice. You have to earn the logo on the side. You have to earn, and they call that getting gold plated. You get a t-shirt. Former players will give you, uh, give it to you at, at practice and stuff. So when you've been working hard, showing everyone that you're you know a team player, they gold, they gold plate you. And, you know, different reasons or what, you know, why they would award that. But I know you've seen a few more out there, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, picked out from uh, Saturday's hype video that Caleb Williams, I put, I tweeted that out, that Caleb Williams is, in fact, gold-plated. And we, in fact, saw that on um, on Tuesday. So that's not technically a new one, but this is the first time we've seen it in person. So Caleb Williams is gold-plated. Uh, QB Miller Moss is also gold-plated as well. Uh, wide receiver Gary Bryant is gold-plated. Wide receiver Mario Williams is gold-plated. Wide receiver Kyle Ford is gold-plated. Wide receiver Josh Jackson, I think he was gold-plated last week, but this is sort of the first time we really kind of spotted it. He is gold-plated. I saw that safety 
Examarion Gordon is also gold-plated. And a couple of the offensive linemen kind of broke through and got their gold plates. Uh, center Brett Nealon got gold-plated. Justin Dietrich got gold-plated. Jonah Monheim got gold-plated. And Andrew Voorhees got gold-plated. Yeah, so that's a lot of gold-plated. A I lot know. of gold-plates. If you're watching on YouTube, I try to put a couple pictures up of uh, a couple of guys there. Um, yeah, so that's uh, it's good news. I think by the end of spring, you're going to see pretty much if you're on the two deep, you've been gold plate. I would guess at this point. Um, I don't think you're going to go through spring, and there's going to be someone that's like, you know, hey, I'm I'm com- you know uh, competing for a starting nickel spot or whatever, and you're not gold plated. I, I I think if you're up there, if you're competing, and you're going to be Part of that initial depth chart, if they release one after spring, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would think those guys are going to be gold-plated. Um, I don't know if you want to go through a whole offseason. And if, and if not, if you're going through the whole summer without it and they're not going to like give you an opportunity to earn that logo until the fall, um, I think that would be a motivating factor as well. So that would probably be very strategic if they did something like that. But my guess is the regulars that you're going to see out there that are, have a good chance to start, they're probably all going to be gold-plated over the next five practices. Our running list right now is at 20. Okay. 20 verified seen it gold plates. It's probably higher than that, obviously, just because, yeah. you know, we, you know, with the padding, can't really see, you know, the couple tight ends could have a uh, gold plates, defensive linemen. We haven't seen any gold plated linemen or heard about them. We can ask about that tomorrow when we talk. It's a good defense. question. Yeah. Um, but right now it stands at 20 verified seen with our own two eyeballs. Nice. Okay, so 20 guys. Uh, so, yeah, you're getting up there with all the starting, you know, potential all the starters, uh, if you've got 22 there. Um, I know we uh, got to talk to uh, several players on Tuesday and a couple of the offensive linemen. I went in there and uh, talked with uh, Max Gibbs uh, right away. you got to call him Big Max. Big Max. Um, just uh, It was a little loud down there. He's kind of a quiet kid, so you kind of have to get in like close to him. Very windy. It was very windy. Uh, he's a he's a large man, large human. He's he's yoked, you could say. I think, and it's <laughs> and I know you know you're like okay. So I'll put up a picture of like Romello like Romello Heights yoked. Look at him. He's just uh, if you're watching on YouTube, he is yoked. And you might not say that about a guy like Max Gibbs, who's now 370 pounds, but he was kind of showing off his guns a little bit. And uh, he's started I think 400 410 last year. He was obviously a defensive lineman. He was offensive lineman. Switched to defensive line last year. Very popular with all defensive players. Uh, switched back. Uh, now he's on the offensive line. He said he's lost about 30 pounds. He told me that. He's about 370 now. Wants to get to 350. But it's not just shedding weight. It's. It, I think it makes it harder to shed weight when you're also trying to build muscle too. And, I mean, he just – oops, sorry. I just hit your camera. Uh, you know, he showed his, uh, his arms and stuff. He looks like he's a lot stronger, I think, than what he was before. So, uh, you know, seems like – Working really hard. Uh, he seems really happy with Josh Henson and, uh, you know, working on the offensive side of the ball again. Uh, I know you're putting a story up uh, on him, too. But just he's one of those feel-good story guys that you really hope he uh, finds some success. Yeah, I just wanted to take a couple moments to kind of talk about Max just because this is a really good story. And this is a, a storyline to follow this offseason. Just, uh, you know, hats off to what Benny Wiley and that strength and conditioning staff has done for Max and you you saw Max this is our first time seeing him up close this offseason or this this spring season that guy is an SEC body SEC SEC body those are the guys that programs out of that 
territory out of the South pull those three, those six foot six, six foot seven, 350, 360 guys. And he's one of those rare bodies that has shown up on the, the West Coast. And that's why it was such an important land for USC in that 2021 cycle. It's why, even though he was a three star prospect, it's why programs like Florida and Georgia and Alabama, Texas A&M, they all offered him because that's an SEC body. They looked at him and they were like, we can get this guy in our weight room, in our in our conditioning program. We can turn this guy into something. And that's a, that's why it was a big get for USC. And I'm sure that's why Lincoln Riley, who offered him at Oklahoma, and Henson, who offered him at Texas A&M, they were so excited to get their hands on him. And I know there was a lot of worry with USC fans if Max could kind of achieve that potential and shave down that weight because the weight is what was going to hold him back from being, you know, a potentially really great player because his ceiling is so high. And I was personally never worried about it because just as somebody who's been covering St. John Bosco for a long time, I'd heard about Max for a long time. I'd heard about all the work he was putting in. Obviously, 2020, the pandemic, the the quarantining, that was a setback for a lot of for a lot of football players in terms of, you know, getting a consistent way to work out. You know, you couldn't go to the weight room. You couldn't, you know, eating habits had to change and or or they, you know, took a step back. You know, that happened. But I was never really worried about it with Max because I knew once he got into a college weight program, he was going to put in the work. That's something he's been doing since his Snoop League days, since he got to Bosco. He's been working hard to get that weight down. So I knew he just needed a chance to get in that weight program. You know, get on a college eating regiment. I, I think he was going to be fine. Yeah, he is a grown man, but he's a boy still. He's still young. <laughs> I don't know if he's ready yet to sort of kind of. I don't think he's ready yet to sort of compete for uh, one of those starting jobs in the interior right now. He is a second team backup right guard, which is a huge accomplishment for someone who was you know flirting with the right guard spot before he moved over to defensive line. But if you can get him in some games, some blowouts. At 370, that's going to make the world a difference going into 2023. And that could be his year to kind of, you know, compete for a starting job, especially with a second offseason of work with his strength and conditioning staff and Benny Wiley. He's already dropped, like you said, 30 pounds. That's yeah. that's incredible. Hats off to him and that staff. I feel like some of it, though, was lost a little bit during 2021 season when he was playing defensive line because he was getting a lot of reps. So he's probably dropping a little bit of weight. But still, hats off to him. And to drop that much weight in a full offseason, imagine what it's going to look like in two offseasons. So, you know, I'm excited for his 2023. Hopefully he can get some reps and some blowouts, get some experience that are kind of springboard him into that that potential breakout campaign in 2023. But yeah, hats off to him. He's really liking Coach Henson, Coach uh, Wiley. Every time he talked about Henson, he had that big Mac smile. You know, he likes the way the jokes he makes. He's a technician. You know, he said, you know, he kind of was down on him a little uh, uh, he was down on himself a little bit and he said you know i feel like i could have a better spring camp so i guess he's trying to finish strong wants to have a better fall camp needs to work on his pass protection pad level footwork hands needs to work on all those things so still a work in progress but just a big step forward for him and you know he's on the right track yeah all right great for him it's a guy that a lot of usc fans uh, can root for very easily just a great kid um, and also on the offensive line, uh, you know, one of the names you hear that's not the the regulars, the Voorhees or the Nilons or the Fords is uh, Mason Murphy. And I've, you know, I've heard, you know, there, it seems like there's some positive things being said around him, even though, you know, he had the injury. We just haven't heard a whole lot from him. 
Uh, you got to catch up with him. What, what would uh, what did uh, Mason have to say? Yeah, I requested Mason because you know that's the name you're hearing a lot, and you know we've already talked to the the, the top guys so much. You know, it's this is the time of spring where we let's talk to the kind of the backup guys. Yeah. Let's see, let's let's check in on those guys. And you know, Mason came in looking really good. You know, body wise, six foot six. You know, two ninety, two eighty. Just needed to add some a little bit of weight. Unfortunately, he did have that injury that was kind of like late in the season and kind of ended his year. And, you know, we never really got an explanation as to what that injury was. You thought it was a really bad rolled ankle or something like that, a foot injury. But he kind of revealed on uh, Tuesday that it was actually a fracture in his foot. And he ended up having had surgery, got a got a screw uh, put in his foot, which is, you know, you're always worried about offensive linemen or any football player with, uh, you know, feet, uh, foot surgery. Uh, but he said he's healthy, said he's fine. You know, he looked great out there. Right now he's operating as that second team left tackle. Um and he, he looks good. And, you know, Henson talked him up as someone who has the potential to be a really great player. You know, he's showing that he has a chance to be really, really good on that edge. Um, he's He was asked what he thinks he's showing this spring camp. He, he, he said, I think I'm showing off my athleticism, uh, my footwork, and my ability to kind of handle edge rushers. And that's kind of what you want to hear out of a left tackle prospect. And, you know, he said his goal right now is to kind of compete for that starting job. You know, that's a tall task for a, a redshirt freshman, a guy with who has Cortland Ford above him, a guy who has an experienced guy like Bobby Haskins coming back off his own for foot surgery in the summer and fall. So, you know, while it's a little maybe probably unrealistic that he's going to, you know, win the starting left tackle job, I love that mentality from him as a young redshirt freshman like redshirt freshman that, you know, I'm going to go out there and compete. I don't care that I have two older guys ahead of me. I'm going to go out there and do the best of my ability to kind of put myself in contention for that. And he's getting a lot of valuable reps as that second team left tackle, something he did a lot last season, you know, when Casey Collier was going through stuff, Mason was kind of the guy, the true freshman to step up and be that backup left tackle. So he has a lot of valuable practice experience, hoping you can kind of see that translate into some blowouts. Same with Max, get on the field, get some reps and, you know, prepare for, you know, a potential 2023 season where he can actually compete for a starting job. All right. Uh, we got a couple other notes I want to get to uh, before we jump into questions, Chris. Let me, uh, we got some, br- now I can do this sound. It's like a- the breaking news. Former USC quarterback, former five-star modern day quarterback, JT Daniels has made his decision. He's going to go to West Virginia, get reunited with who? Former USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. And uh, JT Daniels looked good for one half of football with Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator uh, against Fresno State. And then he blew out his knee. Keaton Slovis steps in and takes over and has a huge freshman year and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, things kind of didn't get much better after that. But, the, you know, the 2019 season, the, the offense was actually really good and sort of dropped off 2020 and 2021, obviously, making regime change and all that. And now you got Lincoln Riley at the helm. But, uh, Daniels goes to Georgia. He was seven and zero as a starter there. Uh, end up having, I think, an oblique issue or something. He had some sort of injury. Uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, they never he never relinquished it when JT Daniels got healthy again. They end up going on to win the national championship. He's coming back, so they go and he goes in a transfer portal. We thought we could have seen JT Daniels in the Pac-12. He did take a visit to Oregon State and Jonathan Smith, uh, great you know quarterback. Uh, coach up there, Uh, but he reunites with Graham Harrell at West Virginia. He's going to Morgantown. And what's interesting, 
his first game will be against, and they don't have any start. They have some some scholarship quarterbacks there, but no one that has any experience. So he's the most experienced quarterback by far coming to uh, West Virginia. So likely, you know, he's going to be the leader in the clubhouse, I would think, to win the job. But his first game will be against the Pitt Panthers. So that rivalry is coming back again, West Virginia and Pittsburgh. If you don't know, it's a, it's a big one in that part of the country where I'm originally from. Uh, and Keaton Slovis is the quarterback at Pittsburgh. So it all comes around full circle. It's like a big soap opera, Chris. I don't Life know what the... Life is a circle, Ryan. <laughs> the simulation is broken. It all comes back. <laughs> They're running out of things to do. Yeah. I mean, you you're gonna watch that game, right? Uh, yeah. GG Daniel watch that game. Graham Harrell versus Keaton Slovis, assuming he can win that job. I, I think his his quarter comp- quarterback competition is a little more tougher than JT Daniels at West Virginia, but yeah, you know you have to like Keaton Slovis's chances to kind of pull out that win. But man, what a reunion! I hope we get that photo. We got to get one. Of the two of those that, together. Maybe they could both do a fight on in their different uniforms. Let's, uh, let's send Shotgun out there. Let's keep him on the East Coast, have him drive down to wherever that game is, and just do a, a notebook on that entire that entire USC games. And, you know, you have Jackson Dark competing for the Mississippi Ole Miss starting jobs. So you could have three former USC quarterbacks starting at three different programs across the country. That's wild. That'd be pretty impressive. QBU. Yeah, I know. Uh, our buddy uh, Pete Thamel, I think, broke this one. And he got a quote from JT saying, it definitely helped knowing Graham coming into it and having a really good relationship with him, knowing that I trust that offense and that system and I believe in it. So he just feels familiar with that. He you know, liked the, He didn't have the greatest numbers in 2018 in the gumbo offense. And then Graham Harrell comes in and just like, hey, throw it open receivers. And he did that really well. Unfortunately, I only got to see him for about 30 minutes before he got hurt. Um, but you know, he had a, he had some big games, uh, for Georgia when he was in there, I think against Cincinnati, um, in the peach bowl, I believe the year before they won the national championship, he had like almost 400 yards and a bunch of like fourth quarter drives that he masterminded and stuff. So he's definitely had some success, um, you know, in college football, the injuries have been a problem. I know he talked about the interview that he has to try to, he has to stay healthy. That's the one thing that he hasn't done. Uh, so we wish him luck. He was a great kid. I remember interviewing him at the, in San Antonio at the army all American bowl when he reclassified, uh, late so he could come in and start cause USC was without a starter after Sam Darnold, uh, left. They weren't really sure where to go. JT Daniels reclassifies and gets there early and, uh, kind of the rest is history there, but you know, wishing him, wishing him the best and, uh, definitely be watching that pit game with West Virginia, Chris. Look, yeah. and it's not like I know the injuries have been an issue, but JG Daniels has had, you know, a pretty good college career. You know, got the Zaxby's uh NIL deal while I was yeah. at Georgia. I know Shaka was very jealous of that. Yes. Won a national championship with Georgia, you know, as a backup, but still got got the ring, you know, success there. Now he's gonna have an opportunity to kind of close out as a starter. It's not a bad college career, you know. That's all I'm saying. No, it's definitely not bad. Got a uh, USC tattoo? Yes. And, uh, at, you know, in, a, in an opportunity in a place, West Virginia, compete in the Big 12. Uh, so, we, yeah, definitely, like I said, we'll wish them the best. Uh, we had also had some some poor news after the last time we recorded. Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle, uh, ended up going to Oregon and not USC. Uh, he's from Seattle. And so that basically resets USC's you know, that ends the 2022 class that's over. So we weren't able to bring in a offensive lineman there. 
they'll definitely address it in the high school ranks in the 2023 class. But in the immediate, you know, for USC's immediate future, the 2022 season, probably going to have to go into the portal and address the offensive line. Not probably will. They definitely will. Um, But a name that came up today, Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts. I don't know if you're too familiar, but if you know who Josh Henson is, that's USC's offensive line coach. Where did he in the offensive coordinator? Where did he come from? Texas A&M. Well, Texas A&M offensive lineman Derek Hunter, uh, he has entered the portal. Uh, he's a four-star prospect. He was a four-star prospect from 2019, and he's played in 18 career games, uh, including some of that that 2020 weird COVID year. Um, so, any thoughts on Derek Hunter? I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but you would think your former offensive line coach, the guy that recruited you. Uh, Probably going to USC's got to be in a in the mix for this one, you know. Just like you just assumed Caleb Williams was USC was going to be in the mix for him. Uh, if they like Derek Hunter at all, I would think the Trojans are in the mix for him too. Yeah, obviously that familiarity familiarity has to help. Um, it's he's inter- he's an interesting uh, kind of prospect uh, at six foot four. He was originally recruited as a defensive lineman and originally committed to Florida State. Flipped to Texas A and M. Played defensive line there for the first two seasons before, you know, Henson and then the offensive staff kind of flipped him over to the offensive side of the ball. Sort of a reverse Max Gibbs, if you will, Uh and had him play on the offensive side of the ball to kind of fill out that depth. He was not projected to be sort of a starter uh, for this season. You know, maybe that's why maybe that's partially why he decided to look into the portal. Um, At worst, I think he's on the two deep for this team on this offensive line wherever that may be, right tackle. Right now, USC has a uh, preferred walk-on playing backup right tackle. Um, so I think he would at least bring in a lot of depth, a, a push, maybe push for a starting job. I don't know. We'll see if you know they can actually make that that flip happen to USC. But it's, I definitely think it's a big name to, to recognize and a big name to keep in the back of your mind. And, you know, portal recruiting happens so fast because so this could be this could be done quickly wherever you wherever he may end up. So yeah, I expect USC to be a player here. Yeah. And the, uh, I think it's May 2nd or May 1st, whatever is the the deadline for the portal stuff. So you got to kind of get that stuff done. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a bunch of this uh, going down. And like Chris said, it happens fast. Don't blink. It goes by pretty quickly. And uh, especially offensive linemen. I, I don't mind like you, if you can bring in a surefire, like, starter like would you feel like a Bobby Haskins you know can be that guy that you know started for whatever three years or whatever it was at Virginia um someone on the right side too I feel like you know having a depth guy is not bad is it is it Monheim or Cortland Ford or somebody that you feel like all right he can play there and then you have an experienced backup behind him or you can switch that around uh yeah I think they're gonna be okay in 2022 but just you know beyond that is where some of the issues are but if you can bring in a surefire like this guy's been a starting tackle for a long time. He's going to come and start at USC. You want that too, um, but you also, I think, you you might need some guys to, like you said, you don't really want walk-ons on the depth chart if you don't have to. So a guy like uh, Derek could come in and and you know rectify that situation. But, I think you definitely need at least two offensive linemen out of the portal, at least at minimum two, and preferably one guy that can maybe help on the interior. Yeah. But Jonah Monheim can play interior, and Ford also has a start at interior. So if you can get two, that gives you what? Eight guys? That gives you a solid eight off the bat, and you can kind of play with that Yeah, for, for depth purposes. So I think you need at least two out of the portal. 
Um, and, you know, we'll see more names pop up soon. And if you feel good about a Mason Murphy or, you know, a Max, there's, so there's some guys I feel like maybe, you know, could use the development. And I, I think Clay McGuire did a good job last year. There was definitely developmental problems and recruiting problems before he got there. But I think he sort of was, you know, there's, there's been a lot of things on this team where Lincoln Riley comes in and it's sort of like you have to do a 180 on a lot of them. Just turn this around, turn this around, turn this around. I feel like the offensive line was definitely in a bad spot. And and Clay McGuire at least began, to, you know, it was a big like uh, aircraft carrier. He began to turn in the right direction. It wasn't completely, you know, going on the course you wanted, but it he started to. So I feel like that was a, a position group that at least made progress. And if a Mason Murphy does develop, um, someone like that, it's, Probably because I think it started when Clay McGuire was there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Henson's getting walking into a really good situation with the guys he's inherited. So, yeah. Uh, any other notes from spring ball or anything else you yeah, want to talk I about? I just wanted to go to some injury stuff. Oh, um, yes. Okay. Obviously, the two big ones would be uh, Gary Bryant Jr. and Makai Blackman. Makai, the Colorado transfer and quarterback who Riley had just heaped a bunch of praise on, you know, saying he's probably our best defensive impact player the guy making the most plays out there for the, the on the defensive side of the ball he did not practice on tuesday he was seen walk in a walking boot um not dressed out which is you know kind of concerning but uh riley said he's fine he's, he's just a little nicked up if there was a game today he would be playing so you know that's comforting a little bit for usc fans yeah. and then the other one was gary bryant leaving practice um on a on a cart uh kind of had his cleats off he was like kind of legs up a little bit and it wasn't like he had hurt it did, i'm not saying it was like a uh uh what am i trying to say it's not like a like he broke something or anything he was just kind of holding his leg maybe hamstring i don't know and but he had his foot like the one i think it was his right leg his, his like right shoe leg. off and like Socks sock off, off everything's kind but, of holding his but it wasn't uh it wasn't like wrapped it wasn't yeah. iced so you know, Riley again said he sort of looked. Uh, he he was said just the same mixed. thing as Makai. Just kind of, he's he's okay. There, the feeling I got from that though is that very well might be true as far as that both guys could have played today if they had to. Um, and and guys aren't missing practices unless they really have to. Like the rehab island thing has just been kind of a thing of the past. But I'm just my th my guess was Riley doesn't really want to talk about injuries. Um, and so if if it was more serious, if it was something like oh the guy's going to be out like three weeks. He would probably say the same thing. I don't. Do you get? Do you get that feeling or no? Yeah, it just doesn't feel like injuries are going. Injury updates are going to be a very forthcoming thing under Lincoln Riley. Right. Uh, I feel like they're. He's already maybe. I wouldn't say like out of his comfort zone, but you know, you you can run a program differently when you're in a college town versus a, a major city. And I think there was sort of like some give and take where, hey, normally we wouldn't do this. Normally we wouldn't allow this. But we get it, like, you know, the Lakers, the Dodgers, and, uh, you know, all these teams are are here in in the city. Uh, you know, you got the Rams and you know, everything going on. We can't shut out the media completely because then people won't pay attention to us. So I, I feel like there might be some give and take going on there. But my guess is the injury thing, he's not going to be super forthcoming with, like you said. But I will see. And most coaches aren't really forthcoming about injuries. Yeah. And it's a spring, and he was like, "Yeah, he dinged his ankle. He's fine." Like, I don't, I don't think there's any strategic advantage or disadvantage if you talk about that. But I think it's just in general, they don't want to talk about it. So, uh, anything else, or we should we? Uh... And then cornerback Adonis Ote 
also did not practice. He was a new person that we seen not practicing. Okay. And he had that wrist surgery last year, was rehabbing the whole season. We saw him a couple times with like his arm clubbed up. So maybe it's still giving him issues, mm. but you know, he was out. So that was the only other new new name out there. Yeah, he was practicing with like that sort of club yeah. on. Yeah, he was right? practicing the first two weeks or whatever. And yeah, I believe this is the first practice he hasn't, at least that we've seen. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that's kind of what we know on the injury front and everything we've kind of seen and heard out there at practice. We got a few questions to get to. Let's take a quick break. Come right back and answer your questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast thanks so much for tuning in wherever you are listening or watching on youtube we appreciate all that we just got a few questions and then we'll uh move on let you get on with your day uh whatever you're doing chris do you listen to a lot of podcasts or no are you a podcast Um, listener yeah some podcasts uh in quarantine i was listening to a lot of podcasts okay not much as anymore if i have long drives and i'm just i usually listen to music but if i get tired of music i will throw on a podcast um this american life just like little little slices of life podcast stories or true crime podcasts yeah those are good i mostly listen to sports podcasts mm-hmm. just whatever but I, I do it in the car all the time now uh but if i'm working out sometimes i would do it when i was working out but then i just kind of listen to music then but if i'm in the car driving around driving to practice stuff i try to listen to podcasts but i know we, we people write in they listen to it like they're mowing the lawn or whatever they want to do. So however you're listening, we do appreciate that. Mowing the lawn. Yeah, you it know, it's very loud. I know. You put the, I guess you put the noise canceling headphones in or something and just go. Are you like a 1.5? Uh, I'm a 1.25. Okay. Yeah. You? I'm like a yeah. I'm like a 1.2 or one. If I'm feeling extra spicy, like one and a half. When I had my uh, app, like my Google phone, it was like I could do 1.2 on like the Google Podcasting app, but then on, I think iTunes or you know the Apple podcast it it was like one and a half and it was kind of too fast but I think they they now have a 1.25 option or something so I think they've they've updated that tinkered it they've tinkered with it a little bit um but yeah I like listen to a little bit faster but not like a ton faster so uh all right let's uh go to Ira says uh emailed in if Nike is going to get involved with Oregon's NIL deals in recruiting why does USC stick with them as their primary shoe and gear company? Shouldn't Nike Nike be equal with all their sponsored schools? 
Ira. Any thoughts, Chris? I mean, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting sort of conundrum, if you will, just because NIL, you know, obviously has changed the recruiting game and, you know, Nike can kind of, and Oregon obviously being the, the home school of Nike, the founding school for Nike, you know, has a little bit more Nike sway than a bunch of other programs who do use Nike as their primary uh, sponsorship and uh athletic equipment stuff so it does bring up this interesting dilemma conundrum um you know i don't know if that would force usc to kind of go to adidas or under armor or reebok or puma or whatever converse um i don't know uh but if the if the nil rules are changed in the near future then you know i don't think that'll be an issue anymore but it does bring up an interesting question. I don't really have a, a straight answer for that. I don't, me personally, I don't think that would cause them to leave a Nike sponsorship or a Nike deal like that. Yeah, there was a, I, we had a, a emailer or a caller, I forget, for our Harvey Hyde show. And he had mentioned that uh, Nike represents 68 uh, Division One teams. Um, so that's kind of crazy. He suggested having like the Kobe brand because I guess there's a few. Like UCLA has the Jordan brand, but Kobe's very LA. You could have like the a Kobe brand Nike sort of uh, being USC's sponsor. Isn't Kobe no longer affiliated with Nike though? I don't know. I I'm I not. I thought a there big was some sort guy. of falling out. I don't think Kobe is part of Nike anymore. Oh well. Then, so, but if there is their own thing, yeah, hey, maybe LA, Kobe. That, that could be something. It goes. They go hand in hand. Um, yeah, there was the, that was the emailer suggestion, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not a big follower of the shoes and the shoe companies and all that kind of deals. But I know Oregon State has the Nike deal. They're very supportive. I think that the question would be, if it's like, okay, there's a five star recruit that both schools are going after, and Nike sponsors him for Oregon, you know, for two million dollars, but he wouldn't do that. Nike wouldn't do that if he goes to USC. Um, then you're like the company kind of directing, which you know essentially happens right in college basketball world right like that essentially happens where where players are steered to certain schools because of their aau affiliations affiliations, yeah all that kind of stuff um we haven't seen it that much in football but obviously this nil stuff is a whole new world so i think yeah something like that there could be some ruffled feathers and i thought phil knight you know the founder of nike was someone that always wanted to support the program. I thought one of the things he had said was he didn't want to get involved in recruiting, you know, and be a part of that uh, as far as like enticing players to come. So just because like Connerly picks Oregon, I don't think if, you know, I don't know the details, but uh, we've heard there's been NIL stuff that, that worked, but I wouldn't, I don't think you can assume it was just, oh, Nike's writing a check to get him to go there. And so USC shouldn't be affiliated with Nike. I, I, I can't say that that's true. Uh, all right. D from Merced says, Julian Simon what, uh, was a highly rated recruit, the linebacker. Uh, do you have any idea how the new coaching staff views him from what you guys have been able to see from spring practice? Has there been any linebackers that have stood out to you? Thanks from D. Any thoughts? I'm going to be pick. honest with you. I haven't heard any coach specifically talk about Julian Simon. I was not in the Odom scrum. And listening back on the Odom scrum, I don't believe he mentioned Julian. It was a lot of Rajon Davis. Yeah. Uh, for that day, it was Rajon Davis day on Thursday. Got the gold plate. Uh, a lot of monarchs in the building, so it was very Rajon Davis uh, 
Influence Day. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned this before. I think we've gotten this a similar question, but Julian Simon looks great physically. Where that is that translating to the field? Not sure because we can't really practice. Uh, I feel like he's still working with that third unit based on some of the things I've seen in practice. Um, Shane Lee and Raylan Goforth have been sort of the top two dogs. Um, their experience, you know, been the most consistent, which is huge, specifically for Raylan, who sort of has had bouts of inconsistency when he when he was, you know, starting the last two seasons. So, I mean, from what I've seen, those kind of guys are the two top guys. Rajon has been coming off because of his effort. You know, Grinch talked about this. Odom talked about this. Riley talked about this. His effort is just off the charts. He's going to make a mistake. He's going to do it 110 miles per hour. Sometimes he goes the wrong way. It's much easier to get a player to go the right way than kind of coach up that effort. So, you know, he's doing the right things in that regard. And, yeah, that's kind of where we stand right now. Hopefully I can get you some more information on Julian Simon tomorrow. Yeah. We talk to the defensive coaches, but I have not outwardly heard any sort of Julian Simon talk as of right now. Same. And I think we had a question on Tunnel Vision, too, about this. So we've had a few questions about Julian Simon, so might as well check it in. But like like Chris said, and I put a picture up. Uh, this is Simon, if you're watching on YouTube from practice. So Shotgun got that one. But uh, Rajon Davis has looked good uh, from what we've seen. And just, you know, he's uh, talked about a lot last week uh, after practice. So uh, we'll try to get what we can on Julian Simon this week and get back to you guys couple more. Alex uh, had a three-parter. Uh, well, I guess a question. No, it's not three-parter. Multiple choice. Multiple choice. Uh, he said, would you rather? So this is, we got to get down to this. USC goes seven and five in the regular season and beats Oklahoma by 20 in a bowl game. Uh, B, USC goes nine and three and plays a random team after the season. Or C, USC goes 10 and two, but loses to Oklahoma. Alex. That's tough. Yeah, like we're in the media, like it doesn't really matter to us as much. But like if I'm if I'm coming, you put your like USC fan hat on. Uh, I think it's A. <laughs> really? Well, I say that because Ryan, it's it's tough in these Twitter streets between USC and Oklahoma oh, Twitter. Yeah, this is very personal. It for would you. just be the the action in the Twitter sphere between these two programs going up to this game would be insane. It would be insane during the game. And if USC whoops Oklahoma by 20 points, gets them to eight and five, which would be a pretty good first year for a team that went four and eight, you doubled the wins. Me and Gerardo talked about this on uh, the two star. If you get to eight, that's a pretty good number doubling those wins. That's a pretty good uh, feat and a really good selling point. Anything less than that isn't as sexy. Seven wins isn't as sexy. But if you get to eight with a 20-point blowout over Oklahoma, you can sell that. Obviously, you can sell nine and three and winning that bowl game or or playing yeah. that bowl game. You can sell that really well. Ten and two is really nice, but you're going to have to take that that L losing Oklahoma. You're going to have to kind of sit with that. So I think fans would I think fans would take A, getting to whoop on Oklahoma by 20 points. I think that would be very very good for them and just in terms of you know feel good you know getting to talk a lot of shit i can say that right <laughs> yes i talk a lot of shit on twitter <laughs> and kind of beat their chest eight and five would be a, a huge accomplishment coming off um you know four and eight last year um 
unless he's factoring in no regular season. So yeah, that would be uh, eight and five for the season. I think that'd be a good, and you get that little Oklahoma win. So I kind of think, I kind of think, a. I don't think they really want to pick a situation, even though the it's ten and two looks a lot better. I don't think they want to take that that Oklahoma loss. So I think A would be the choice. B would be the safe choice. Yeah, I think C is probably out. Like you, that's the one. Um, you don't go with, but you could talk me into B nine oh, you, and three. Yeah, you talk me into B with a ten. You know, if you get a ten win season, but if I'm because petty, like, yeah, I'm petty. The thing is, like, it's weird coming from if you're from the USC fan perspective, you don't really care that much about Oklahoma, right? There's no focus on them. You do hear it a lot, so it would be kind of nice to to win. You know, to win a game, but I don't think if you go seven and five, Oklahoma's probably in a similar situation. So both teams were fine. They're okay. They're both teams. They weren't great. Your little above average USC team beat your little above average Oklahoma team. What does that really mean? Well, wait till we build the program. I think, I don't know if that would shut Oklahoma fans up. So I think it's, you'd just rather go on and and try to win double digit games. It wouldn't shut them up, but you could shut them down very easily. (laughs) It's Um, just so much ammo, Ryan. And imagine all the national coverage going to that game. There would be a lot. That would be the ESPN nonstop from a coverage point of view <laughs> for us. Like, oh um, yeah, I think you know the winning ten games. I think would be big, uh, but you're probably not going to the Rose Bowl there. You go to Alamo or something, play somebody else. Okay, that's fine. But we would get a lot of run from USC and Oklahoma getting to play next year, and knowing that it would be a, a twenty point win, uh, that would build a lot of momentum for. So personally, from our point in the media. I think A would be the most beneficial for us. Uh, and I kind of agree with you. I think fans would probably like that the most. But B would be a close second, I think. You know, yeah, To win 10 fair. games is like a yeah. big deal. You know? We would get a lot of troll calls on Tunnel Vision leading into that game. I, I guarantee it. Tons and tons. Um, all right. And we got one last one from Ray in Southwest Florida. I may have missed you officially naming Nicole to your team. If so, my bad. But I think she's a perfect replacement for Keeley. Hope you keep her. Fight on, Ray, from Southwest Florida. We've had a lot of comments about... So, Nicole Sheeran's a grad student at USC. Um, we met her last year during football practices, and she's been nice enough to to come on and, and help us out with instant analysis and some of the videos and stuff. So, she's been doing great. Uh, she's still finishing up school, so she's interning with us right now. But, yeah, it's been it's been nice. And uh, it wasn't meant to be like a replacement for Keeley. We, you know, we needed someone else helping out on the video side. And uh, she's she's actually pretty close to us. She's in Manhattan Beach. She's close by, so it's good for her to get to the studio. I know it's it's tough sometimes. People live far away. Like Chris is pretty close. I'm real close, and and Nicole's close. So it does kind of help. Shotgun's way far away now, but we can do him remotely and stuff. But I'm glad we've had a lot of positive feedback uh, on Nicole. So thank you for that. We've had over. The, we've been lucky. We've had a lot of great interns uh, over the years, and you know Keely was the first one I ever hired on full time, but a lot of people that have worked for us are, you know, working in the media at big outlets, other, other places. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. We've always get, you know, you're going to get turnover on the staff, you know, like we do in college football. We do it here at uscfootball.com as well. Uh, but you know, we've been lucky because a lot of people have moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, you know, Dan Wykey, it's great to see him. He was on Colin Coward yesterday, my, you know, former beat writer for us. Uh, you know, I'm still good friends with him, but he's a LA times Lakers writer now. So he does a lot of national media and everything, uh, covering the Lakers. So congrats to him and everyone else 
that's been with us. Chris, you're going to move on to bigger and better things soon, right? You're going to be one of those. Sure. If you say so. Now that you're like media savvy, like now (laughs) that you can do all the I'm going to get my own show on uh, Cowherd's, uh, what is it? Volume the Sports, volume sports yeah, Network. I'm yeah, get, get my own. Uh... Yeah, wait in line. He, he hasn't asked me. <laughs> I'm his buddy. He hasn't asked me. Would you consider this the usfootball.com like coaching tree? Yes. The media sure. tree. The media tree. I've, it runs I've, deep. I've been lucky. For someone that doesn't have a journalism background, I've put a lot of journalists out there. Look which at is you. Good. Pat yourself on the back, man. I can't do it from all the way over here, so I'm just going to pat you on the back real quick. And congrats to you. You didn't. I never told Chris we're doing this live, so uh, thanks for all the co- <laughs> Just going to make him nervous. No, we're not doing this live. But uh, It's like an Ender's game when, at the end, he beats the simulation and he, find out, oh, by he the finds way, out, oh, this whole thing has been real this the whole real. time. You've murdered millions, but you <laughs> saved the world. That's exactly it's what this feels like, like. Yeah. We had a little nerd right there with the uh, Ender's game reference. But I think I saw that on a plane once. Um, Good for you. Or something. But yeah, it was, yeah, that was kind of a weird one. Spoiler alert. Uh, he kills millions of people. This little kid. Uh, <laughs> That's Ryan, what we're Ryan book reviews kills <laughs> this kid kills a millions of people. That's it. Well, you already said that. <laughs> right. You already said that. So, um, all right. Well, great stuff. Uh, thanks well, everyone. For I had one quick question. Oh, sure, of course. You mentioned earlier a lot of candy for Easter. So I just want to know: Are you a Peeps guy? I am not a Peeps. Okay, guy. thank you. We can continue this partnership on this a show. Mar- a marshmallow, like marshmallows, are fine, like in like hot chocolate and stuff. But I'm not a Peeps. Uh, my fa- okay. So I'll give you my favorite Easter candies going in. Oh, okay. Um, power rankings. Power rankings. So I think Cadbury cream egg is probably number one. Didn't they change their formula or something so they're different now? Probably, but I still <laughs> he like doesn't it. care. He's like, I don't. It's, care. it's still really good. Uh, followed by, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a Cadbury guy. The Cadbury mini eggs, which are okay. like M and M's on steroids. Like those are really. Really good as well. Uh, any of the Reese's? I'm a big peanut butter guy, so the Reese's eggs. Plenty of my friend's house gives them out all the time. Those are great. Reese's peanut butter eggs from different, um, you know, different. There's different varieties. They have a lot of different peanut butter ones. They have like the eggs that look like the Cadbury cream eggs or the flatter eggs that all have peanut butter. Those are all really good. Uh, I picked up some, uh, which I'm trying not to. Yeah, so peanut butter uh, Reese's peanut butter. They're, they're kind of like the mini eggs, but they're peanut butter. Uh, it was funny. One of the uh, Myrna, shout out to Myrna on my Meals and Wheels route. Great, great old lady. She's awesome. She loves me when I bring her a little like she needs like um, chewier stuff, like or not uh, just softer stuff. So she likes peanut butter, like M and M. So I bought her some of the peanut butter uh, Reese's eggs today. I brought her for uh, my did my route earlier today. So for her Easter present, she got that. So I put some in there. I'm going to try them over the weekend. I'm not going to eat them until the weekend, but I haven't tried those yet. But those are all uh, some really good ones. I like jelly beans too, uh, but they're they're far below like the chocolate stuff. But uh, do you have like your power rankings of where you like your Easter candy? Or? Nah, it's kind of just the Reese's. Reese's. I okay. don't get that deep into. I don't have a power ranking like you. Just okay. the Reese's. I, yeah, I don't know what the Cadbury cream eggs. Maybe are a chocolate good. bunny. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, chocolate bunnies are good. Um, we have a from Western Pennsylvania. There's a little shop called Saris's that uh, has great candy it's like a little like soda shop basically but we would still order it my mom and my sister we would like order it to for delivery at christmas and easter and stuff but i didn't order any this year but uh they have some really good candy so on that i hope everyone has a wonderful easter weekend if you celebrate that or whatever if it's a holiday for you coming up uh that's going to do it for chris trevino i am ryan abraham thank you so much for tuning in 
to the Peristyle Podcast and watching simultaneously if you want on YouTube. Hope you enjoy the show and we will talk to you next time. Peace. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 